Welcome to episode four of the Grizzly Habits podcast. Today, we interview collegiate golfers Joe Glenn and Jake Bryson. You'll get to hear a little bit about Jake's story coming from Canada and joining a American college and how that differs from his friends back in Canada and Joe's story from golfing as a young child all the way to hopefully becoming a tour pro. Even some sacrifice that he's made in his personal life, some decisions he made at a younger age. Uh, in addition, we talk a little bit about NIL, the name, image, and likeness is where college athletes can now be paid for who they are. Yeah, there's a lot of great stuff in the show, so stay tuned and be sure to give them a follow on social media. Man, you look good in that hat, Do I look Steve. good in this hat? I'd say so. Unreal. Just kind of rattled Steph didn't bring hers. <laughs> Why are you wearing yours? I should have worn mine. You should have wore it. It's too late now. Too late. Tough. All right. Cool. So let's let's talk about swinging Willie. <laughs> swinging <laughs> Willie. So through the NIL, we were actually able to start our own hat business from the Valley Boys, and so yep, there it is. Steve's got it on. He's repping the hat. <laughs> but uh, really, it just came from we wanted some gear. The school hadn't trademarked a logo, and we wanted the logo. And uh, Coach does a great job. He gets us a lot of gear, but we wanted some more because we're kind of selfish, and we wanted <laughs> so we wanted some more. And so uh, we we kind of drew up this swinging Willie. It's a little swinging Wolverine, and we changed some stuff so it doesn't have anything Utah Valley specific, but it says the Valley on it, and Orem, Utah, and we're able to sell it. And most of the half the proceeds are going towards the UVU Golf Boys, so we can go on trips, get those clubs that are expensive because. UVU, like it's a it's a mid major Division one school, so we get the minimum. We get we get some good stuff, but we don't have everything that we'd like. So these hats are kind of helping us get there. Awesome. Where can we find them right now? UVU Golf Boys on Instagram. Um, basically, Joel ordered a dozen hats, and then we had fifty other people say we'd love to rep it from from here in Utah to Gander, Newfoundland to Vancouver, Canada to Hawaii. So it's awesome. We appreciate the support. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. And uh, I assume you have plenty of them coming in. Oh, we got tons in. Yep. Awesome. We'll put a link in the description as well Great. so that it'll yes. direct them right. We'll actually do go. a couple things. So we will do, uh, we'll put the product on grizzlyhabits.com. Awesome. So all of the money is going to go to the Utah Valley Golf Boys. We won't take Great. any of it, but we'll put it on our website. So you'll be able to order it on the merchandise side of grizzlyhabits.com. Um, they're 35 bucks. Yep, 35 bucks. 35 bucks on com, or feel free to reach out uh, on the UVU Golf uh, UVU Golf Boys Instagram. You yep. can just send over an instant message, I'm sure, and you guys will get it shipped out yep. um, straight to your doorstep and get one of these awesome hats. They're fantastic. In fact, um, Grizzly Habits will take five of them. We'll buy five of these hats awesome. from you. Right on. And we're going to give them away to some of our followers Great. out there. So I love you. that. Consider Thank us you for customer today <laughs> number one right now <laughs> number i'm number one well well i mean of course steve, steve, steve you're number one <laughs> well I, th I think it's a good point to be said you guys are doing something that is helping raise money for your sport for your team uh, like we've said golf is not a cheap sport so mm -hmm. i think it's really great it's a cool hat yeah we'll have to think of a creative maybe we'll do like a venmo account and we'll Whoever Venmo's us the highest dollar amount within a certain period gets a hat. Because you could Venmo like a penny, but you're risking that someone Venmo like a buck. Yeah. Right? yeah. But you might have just someone out there that's like, I'm going to do it 50 bucks. But anyway, let's do that. And then um, we'll donate all the money to the, oh, the Utah Valley Boys. We'll appreciate yeah, that, Steve. Cool. Thank you. That'd be awesome. Thank cool. you. Very we'll see cool. If, see if we can make a little bit of a splash. <laughs> yeah. Well. I mean, we're just getting started too, so... <laughs> Awesome. So what, what is, uh, what's next after college with, with golf? Yeah. I mean, I'm going to play golf as far as I can. I'd love to make some money on the golf course, uh, professionally and legally. Um, <laughs> Good point. Yeah. Um, after I, after I graduate, so I'll, I'll graduate next spring and to go professional. I mean, you could, you could declare your professional golfer right now. And no, I can well, you could. No, I can. <laughs> well, you might. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no, that's tough. Tough audience. Wait for one of those. <laughs> um, but no, that's the thing. Anybody can say they're pro. Like, that's that's all you do is you sign up, and then you kill your amateur status, and you start to accept money. But there's there's tours all over the world. So basically, identifying where your game is at, where your goals are, and then picking the right options for you, 
that's what everybody is, whether it's uh, whether I go back to Canada and try for Canadian qualifying school or go to Europe or Asia or wherever. That's probably the biggest decision at the time. And then you see where your golf game's at compared to pros around the world and you adjust. So, so how much money can you make being a pro golfer? <laughs> you can make as much. I mean, you're an independent tra- uh, contractor, so you can make as much as you can by being a good golfer. I mean, the best in the world right now. I mean, there's $10 million purse for the FedEx Cup champion. Wow. And that's like the the season long on the PGA Tour. Like whoever played the best throughout the year, that's $10 million bonus on top of the, the millions of dollars they made during the year. So, I mean, some of these guys are making $20 million a year on the PGA Tour, and that's not including sponsors. That's not including anything else. It's just them playing golf, and what a life that would be, right, huh? Yeah. yeah, moral of the story. There's a lot of money in golf, right? <laughs> yeah. especially if you have the right connections. So yeah. if you stay connected to the right people uh, and have the right endorsements, like you can make a pretty healthy life, even if you're not number one on the tour, mm-hmm. right? You right. can go out and you can enjoy the game of golf every weekend and maybe have a couple of bad days. You can still make a pretty good living to support yeah. a family. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, the thing is with the tour, there's like 150, 155 spots represented by dozens of countries around the world. We're opposed to like hockey. There's like 400 NHL players represented by less than 10 countries. So the odds of going to the tour, absolutely minimal. Like you're crazy if you're actually convinced that you're going there no matter what. And the guys that do make it probably are that crazy. And that's probably why they do make it. But if you want to make it to the tour and have that as a goal, great. But to, you can also just play golf and make money and make a living, whether it's in the States or in Australia or wherever. So kind of identifying your goals. If you want to make it to the tour, there's going to be like tens of thousands of people every year that are never going to make it and be uh, disappointed. So what's the difference between a tour pro and like a, like a golf shop pro as far as career? Uh, like working in the pro shop, yeah. like golf pro. So if you're a golf pro at a golf course, then like your job, your daily job consists of teaching golf, uh, ordering merchandise, running the golf course, um, basically you're basically the general manager of the golf course. If you're the PGA pro at each golf course, but a playing professional week in week out, you're traveling to different places around the world. You're playing golf. You're trying to make cuts. That's the only way you make money is by making the cut. I mean, it's kind of cutthroat out there for sure. And literally uh, cutthroat, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but like, I mean, they're traveling, they pay for their own travel because, because they're an independent tra- uh, contractor. They're paying their ways into the events um, I mean, it's completely different lifestyle because a club pro, you can live at home, have a family that as a touring pro, you're literally touring the world and playing golf. Yeah. Yeah. You're, own, you're your own brand, right? Mm-hmm. You have yep. a, a support crew. You have a caddy that takes 10% of your, your money, <laughs> right? You have, yeah. uh, coaches, you have all sorts of different people that surround you. So you're, you're starting your own business mm-hmm. to be on the tour. Your business revolves around your skills as a golfer. You're betting on yourself. That's a hundred percent. And that's one of the things I love about golf is that, that like, no one else is going to determine how I play or what I do. It's like, it's all on me. Like, I don't have a teammate that I can be like, oh, well, he dropped the pass. And like, we could have won. I did my job. <laughs> he dropped the pass. Like, we lose the Super Bowl. Like, no, it's like, it's all on me. I can decide how much effort I put into it. I can decide if I'm going to wake up early or not. I can decide if I'm going to work out and try to get big. I mean, as like, you, you can tell, like, I'm already <laughs> pretty fast. Yeah. Right I, I did have uh, <laughs> high school golf. We did have a teammate tap in a putt with a head cover on, and it did turn into a team game. Really? I'll tell you what, that minute. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> you there turn in a signed scorecard with a head cover on your putter. Yeah, it's tough out there. I haven't heard of that one before. Bad yeah. day. <laughs> in fact, I think that was the last round I ever played. Really? In, yeah, in wow. golf. Yeah, high school. Wow. It was fun. Not the last tournament we played, and we played in that two-man tournament. In, in yeah, high school. you guys oh, played okay, together. Okay. in high school. Okay. Yeah, tournament where I had opportunity to be something, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> You've always got an opportunity, Steve. Come on. <laughs> Yeah, I have the opportunity to have you as my scramble partner. <laughs> I was going to say, he asked you to come play with him for a reason. Exactly, yeah. yeah. The ringer. Call in the ringer. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man, that's funny. No, I think it's really cool. I mean, we talked about this earlier, but my nephew, when he was five years old, he dove into golf. And when asked, like, what, why why do you want to play golf? Like, what? Are, why are you interested? He said, because it's the only sport that people don't try and take the ball from me. And I... 
I never thought of golf that way. I mean, I just thought, oh, I go to golf, I go play golf, I get frustrated, and then <laughs> but I'll play nine and I'm off. Uh, but it's cool to see a five-year-old who understands that it's him and the ball in the course, mm-hmm. whether he thought of it that way or that someone's literally not running him down for his ball. <laughs> but it, it's cool. It's it's a it's a sport that it is. It's you. It's your head. It's a mental game. It's you, the ball, in the course. Yeah, it's like chess, but against yourself and a golf course. <laughs> <laughs> the golf course is the chessboard. Yeah. What, what advice would you give a new golfer? Um, and actually, Steph is a fantastic golfer, but she gets intimidated, especially when I'm playing a group and there's other people linked up with us. But yeah, um, what advice would you give someone who's new to golf that has that mental barrier where it feels like everyone's watching you and it feels like you know, you're only as good as your last swing, right, instead mm-hmm. of your next? But what, what would you recommend to those that are new to the sport? It's a good question. I mean, it's like being a new member at a gym. If, like, you're just starting out working out, like, you're probably going into the gym nervous. You don't know where all the equipment is. You don't know the lingo. You don't know the etiquette. Like, that's very common for people that are new, like, to be anxious on the golf course. You got to realize that no one cares about how you're doing. (laughs) You're out there so in your own head that you might look over and see a bad swing. And, well, it's not your problem. Their bad lie or their bad swing, it's not your problem. Or it's not, yeah, theirs, you know what I mean? Um, so you just got to realize that like, they're not going to bed that night thinking about how crappy you were playing golf, (laughs) you know, like they're focusing on them. Um, if they have, if they have some advice to offer, you got to ask people for advice. You got to ask people for small tips if they trust, if you trust them and if they are worthy of giving advice. Um, but just going out there and have fun and realizing that everyone's focusing on them really heavily. Something that's newer for collegiate sports is you guys are now able to make money, correct? Mm-hmm. Off of sponsorship deals and how does that work? So it's Joe's been ringing, taking well. money since he was a... <laughs> Whoa, no, I don't know if I have. I, officially, like, I have legally. not. He's got legally. Ten, 10 different discount codes. <laughs> Golf influencer. Yeah. Well, you know, when you look like I do, you know, you got a model on the side. So. Yeah, yeah. I remember... The day we met, actually, we we rerounded and played another eighteen holes. We did the first eighteen. You were my caddy, and then the back eighteen. You were actually my competitor. Yeah, I remember how empty you left my wallet um, <laughs> with Monopoly money. Right, we were playing with Monopoly money officially. Uh, officially, I did not take any money from this man. Yeah, not at all. I, I must be mis. Yeah, that was a that was a different Joe. guy named Joe. Oh yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, I wasn't you. <laughs> But yeah, so we have this thing, it's called NIL now, it's like name, image, and likeness. Um, it's something that like athletes weren't able to do until, was it this year or the, the year before? Yeah, but July, July 1st of this year. Yeah, July 1st of this year where we're able to actually make money from our name, image, or likeness. Um, people that did that in the past, like there's, there's been plenty of players, like Reggie Bush, like he took money for like his name and image and likeness. Like if he would have done that now, like everything would have been totally fine. He would have kept his Heisman and everything, but... No, but back then you just, you couldn't, you couldn't take money for anything that you did. You couldn't, you couldn't try to push anything. Like you couldn't start your own company. You couldn't do, you couldn't go to a car dealership and say like, Hey, like I'll do commercials for you if I can get a car. Like none of that. It was find your own way to pay for school, whether it's family or a bank, that's it. Like, but now we can open it up to try to make money other ways. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're only six or seven months in here and there's still a lot to learn. Not only through the NCAA, but each state, each institution, their rules are a little different. So it's really hard to get to know, and it's it's more difficult to get to know as an international student with U.S. dollars and, and uh, being against, like, a working visa and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So it's still pretty confusing, but it's something that student-athletes have been fighting for for decades, right? Like, we're, we're employees of the NCAA. That's, it's, we're, we're here on a contract. There are certain things on our contract that we're not allowed to break, um, it's one year. It's not like we're signing a scholarship for four years. So it's a negotiation every year. Like it's really a business and student athletes were, it's hard to complain from the position that we're in because we're very lucky to be here, but student athletes were still not receiving all the recognition whether, um, that they kind of compensation. Yeah. Yeah. Compensation. Exactly. So now, now it's pretty cool. I mean, it has to be as simple as if they're doing something for you, the business, you have to do something for them. It can't be one way. That's really 
really the, the golden rule when it comes to NIL. We can do commercials and podcasts and take, you know, cars and, and dealerships and it's, it's pretty endless, but I mean, being, being ranked 111th in the country for golf school, it's not like we're getting a bunch of publicity, right? right. Like we've got basketball players, you know, star, star players that are making the news, they're going to get it all. So it's kind of coming to them. But for guys in our position, we have to work just a little bit harder to get our names out there. Yeah, and, and it makes sense that you can use your own names now to make a little bit of money. Granted, you're you're getting scholarships, but mm-hmm. college is expensive, right? Yeah, food's expensive when you're when you're not on the the golf bus and yeah. trying to do something more than spaghetti nights out here. Yeah, it's spaghetti. <laughs> we need to have you doing pasta. Yeah, nights yeah. at least. Right, put some That's Alfredo some, chicken. Yeah, in there. fettuccine. In yeah. There. <laughs> Maybe some mozzarella if you're lucky. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> well, we'll get don't there. Don't go we'll, overboard. Yeah, come on. Let's keep it real here. <laughs> but even uh, like golf clubs and everything, it's expensive, right? Yeah. Especially, you know, if you play your clubs, as many rounds as you guys play, they wear out fast. And realistically, you need to replace those clubs. And it helps when you can use your name, you can use your mm-hmm. hard work, the elbow grease to to pay for or have people help you pay for those mm-hmm. things. So it's pretty cool. I'm glad that, that the NCAA finally came around and they're allowing this. Um it's just the beginning, like you said. So it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with uh, all of the, the different sports yeah. uh, and athletes to see how far it goes. But um, I mean, Madden's been making money on on college people's <laughs> yeah. names for decades, yep. right? Yeah, so that's it's, really cool. It, I think it's just a good thing, and hopefully, like you said, like basketball players, football players, those kinds of things, especially in collegiate sports, have been getting more publicity just traditionally. So it's better to see it kind of like spreading out, right? Like getting out into sports like golf that are now becoming so much more popular. And, mm-hmm. you know, hopefully it, it makes a difference there. Well, thank you for coming on the Grizzly Habits podcast, you two. Yeah. Awesome. There's um, probably a lot of people thinking, why are we interviewing a couple of uh, college golf boys? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you guys have been golfing your whole lives. Mm-hmm. And really the bottom line is that golf is a head game. Oh, and yeah. it takes those grizzly habits to make sure you're always in check, getting ready mm-hmm. for the tournament. But Joe, we've been friends for going on a couple of years now, roommates. Yeah. I met you at Coeur d'Alene Golf Course. Yeah, the resort. The resort. The, they don't call it the club. They call it the resort. It's <laughs> the resort. Let's get that straight right now. Yeah. Do you say it with a pinky out? Um, I typically do, usually yeah. holding my cup of tea. Yeah, typically. Yeah. Typically, it's the pinky out. Welcome to the resort. They do have great food. The, they do. Uh, the breakfast is phenomenal. They have the huckleberry pancakes up there. Those are unreal. Like it's an so Idaho good. thing. So yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, it's unreal. sounds amazing. It's the caddies much, are better though. The caddies are great up there, <laughs> but um, it's pretty much Canada. And speaking of Canada, pretty much, <laughs> <laughs> we have our own Canadian. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Yeah. What brings you to the U.S.? Well, I wanted to get far away from home. Play some uh, play some golf in the mountains while I was at it. So, you probably have a solid golf season up in Canada. Well, it uh, begins probably about the first week of May, and uh, you can push right through till Halloween if you're lucky. So, so better than I expected. Yeah, that's actually better than I'd expect too. Yeah, where you were from was it manageable snow? I mean, or is it like Salt Lake City where there's you know snow plows and just a little bit of leftover, or is it snowing all the time? Um, I mean, since I grew up with it, I'd say it's manageable. I, I still love the snow, even though I don't ski or snowboard. I love the snow. Something's um, wrong with you. Lo- yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's manageable. Um, I picked out here though, because there still is an off season for golf. Like I don't think my body or mind could handle 12 months. So it's worked out pretty well since I've been here. Yeah. Yeah. So Jake, you, you played hockey, you've done lacrosse, you've done a lot of different Canadian sports. Yeah. So why golf? Why golf? I mean, holy smokes. Easy answer. I was I was beaten and, and batted up playing hockey and lacrosse as a kid being 140 pounds soaking wet, and I had enough of that. I had enough of, of being on, on crappy teams that weren't winning and uh, feeling the pressure from my teammates and coaches, and I didn't think I, I was going anywhere that's on the ice. That was, I mean, that's every kid's dream. It was my religion to play hockey as a kid. Um but I played golf as a youngster, had a big family that played golf, and it was a pretty easy tr- uh, transition from a slap shot to a, to a golf swing. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's been steady. I, I didn't think I'd be here when I was 10, 11, 12 years old, still on the ice, spending my whole day on the hockey rink, but here we are. So you're saying there's some truth to Happy Gilmore. Absolutely. <laughs> Do you yeah. have a mad slap shot? 
Oh, I used to. Not anymore, but I used to. Yeah. <laughs> pound for pound, I, who has more distance? Oh, man, I'd, I'd probably say this guy Yeah, here. it's probably me. It's yeah. easy when you put pound for pound. Yeah, yeah. pound for pound, I'm probably. Yeah. <laughs> we'll take that. So, Joe, I want to talk a little bit about how we met, right? Okay. And the purpose of the podcast is really to talk about good people, good attitudes, mm-hmm. uh, share influential stories. And that's really how we got connected mm-hmm. is I was up on a vacation playing the resort course and got paired with you as my caddy. And we've been friends ever since. And mm-hmm. that probably doesn't happen to just about everyone you caddy for. Well, I mean, if you're me, it happens quite often. Yes. But. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm talking just me oh, personally. Okay, okay, People okay. avoid me. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, that's what's really cool is, as I think on the first one or two holes, we got to chatting and you were going to come out to Utah. And it's easy to say, well, hey, if you come out to Utah, look me up. I'd love to go play around. And eventually it evolved into uh, us being roommates for yep, a short period of time, which was a blast <laughs> and playing some golf together. Uh, and since then, um, you've been doing pretty good with UVU and, mm-hmm. and hanging out with the team. So um, what are some stories that you have with other people that you've caddied for that maybe were an influence for you? Or is there anyone that you ran into that you're like, man, that person just really motivated me to do something in your life? Yeah, that's awesome. So the first person that comes to mind, besides you, of course. Yeah. Of yeah. course. Well, that's a given. That's of a course, given. Right? Um, so a guy named Matt Rogers. So he's actually the announcer for the Tennessee Titans. He's um, He owns a restaurant, a sushi restaurant. He's a part-time pastor. He has his own clothing line. And one of the things I noticed first about him, because he didn't come out and say all these things. Like, these are just things that like, came up throughout the round as we conversed and talked about life and our dreams and goals and visions, um, that he was just, like, very present, that everything that he did and everything he talked about was, like, in the moment. He made every person that he came in contact with um, feel, like, important, that they had worth, that whatever they were doing in that moment was the most important thing to him. And that was something that just kind of, I wouldn't say triggered, but that was like a light switch in my life. It's like, that is someone that I want to be like. That is someone that that I can emulate and imitate in every aspect of life, whether it's golf or business, you know, faith, life, like every aspect of life. If I can be present enough to help other people feel loved, feel worth, um, that they're important, that not only will my life get better, but everyone else's lives that I come in contact with. So that's probably the first person that comes to mind is Matt Rogers. Awesome. Yeah, that's a killer influence. And it just goes to show that uh, you do have that attitude. And if you can make someone else's day just that mm-hmm. much better, right, you really do make a difference in the mm-hmm. world. So it's awesome that you have that attitude. And I'm glad you're able to pick that up. <laughs> well, and it's something that's so rare. It's not all that often anymore, especially with cell phones and I guess our overall connectivity Mm -hmm. that like people can shut that off, put it aside and like pay attention to someone and give you their, their full attention and actually have intent behind whatever it is that you're talking Mm -hmm. about or doing together. So I think it's really cool. And I think that's like the perfect way to get the most out of life. Like whatever it is, it's like, if you can put a hundred percent into it, then whatever you're doing, like that's going to, I guess, give you the best results. And that's exactly. what's cool about golf is there is no time for cell phones or connectivity, mm-hmm. right? You actually get to know your playing partners pretty well, which is pretty cool. You can get to know someone in, in those four hours you know, yeah. pretty deep. That's awesome. So um, talking a little bit about your past. Mm-hmm. So your LDS, right? There's a lot of really influential people that you could look up to. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me a little bit more about your life, your mission, you mm-hmm. did a mission trip to Georgia, yep. right? Um, so tell me about the course that you've taken from really from child to where you're at today. Uh, what has helped you mold your path in life mm-hmm. and what you want to do, which is be a pro golfer. Yeah. Right? We'll get there, get to that in a minute. Mm-hmm. Well, so we moved around a lot growing up. Uh, it wasn't for like military or anything. It was just seemed like we just moved around. We moved from like San Diego to different parts of California. We actually lived in Orem for two years. We lived in Arizona before we settled up in Coeur d'Alene when our family to, declared bank sh- bankruptcy in 2008. So I've been playing golf my whole life. Started when I was two years old. That was my first love. Um, but when we declared bankruptcy, we didn't have money to play golf. So my parents said, okay, you get one bucket of balls a month. That's all we can afford. Choose wisely when you do it. I, I would always choose like the first of the month because I was like, well, maybe we'll find a few bucks throughout the month. Maybe I can go hit a second bucket. <laughs> um, and so 
I started hitting golf balls and when I paid with like these pennies and quarters that I found like in my room and spread across the house, the, the manager of the golf course, uh, his name's Daryl Hole. Um, he noticed that I paid with change every single time I came and he's like, okay, what's, what's the story behind this kid? And he saw me hit a few golf balls and he's like, oh, this kid's actually like decent. Like he can actually make contact with the ball. And so he approached my parents and he said, hey, if you can get this kid here, there will be people that are willing to sponsor him so that he can play golf. Like we see the potential and we see that he's willing to work, but we'll give him a chance. And so Daryl Hole and a bunch of other people at the course, like Steve Richardson and Rich, Rich Borghese, they gave me an opportunity from when I was 12 throughout high school and everything. To get, He gave me a, a place to play. He gave me clubs to use, and he really developed my passion for the game. And so they were influential, influential in giving me an opportunity to succeed, and that was something that I was like, I'm going to take advantage of every opportunity that's given me because they don't come around often. And so I wanted to play golf, then – I felt a call from the Lord saying I need to go on a mission. That was probably the hardest decision ever. I had to kneel down and say, like, come on, like, you sure? Like, <laughs> I got a couple offers from school. I got Boise State calling. I had BYU was even calling. I had Idaho calling, some other schools. And they kind of said, hey, if you go, if you want to play for us, you can come play. But if you're going on a mission, we don't have a spot for you afterwards. So it was kind of like a come-to-Jesus moment, like, what's more important in life? Like, you're dreams and ambitions and career or if it's your faith and what you believe and so I went on a mission put the clubs away for two years and found a spot at Idaho that took me in afterwards and then eventually here at UVU but so that was just kind of my short story of how I got here awesome and it's such a cool story how you overcame adversity you Mm -hmm. uh, some other people found the light and you saw that you were a good stick and said hey he's got some potential let's Mm -hmm. let's give him another bucket of balls (laughs) here's some more change (laughs) that's awesome but it's also continuing to have that faith like knowing you're going to go on a mission but trusting that when you get back you'll find a place yeah and that's hard right especially Mm -hmm. that age right you're Mm -hmm. you're sacrificing a lot to make those decisions and uh, it, it could be a lot of other things outside of religion, but that's right at the, the prime sweet spot where, yeah. you know, it could make or break you if it's a bad decision. That's really mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. Uh, so Jake, you picked some balls. I actually worked on a golf course when I was a little bit younger yep. and, uh, it was probably one of the most fun jobs I've ever had. You get free buckets of balls to, to slam all day and got to play some golf, but, uh, more or less you got to see all the people around you that were playing golf, having a good time. But tell me a little bit about, uh, what you did at the course and then maybe your journey from Canada to UVU. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, honestly for that range picking, so the range would open in about March and there's still snow on the ground. So it wasn't actually all, all rainbows and fairy tales. We'd go out after the, after the range would close at like eight o'clock at night. So it'd get pretty cold, like minus three, four, five Celsius. I'd throw my headphones in, listen to the hockey game with my big mitts on and pack balls for five cents a ball into a big bucket. So we were just running around (laughs) from green to green, a bunch of us little kids getting paid in cash. Um, That was a lot of fun. I mean, I was lucky enough to actually have a professional uh, teaching coach as my neighbor growing up. So I went out and played maybe 10, 15, 20 rounds as a kid over the summer um, until I got around to 10, 11, 12. I started to play a little more, but I went out one day from the red tees, I think it's 11 or 12, shot like 63. I had no clue oh, what that nice. meant. <laughs> I know there was a lot of Who circ- is this guy? I, I knew <laughs> there Meanwhile, was- your neighbor there, do you know what this means? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I knew there was a lot of circles on the scorecards, even though it was the front tees. I was a little wee kid. And he picked up on that, said, okay, well, that's kind of out of the ordinary. Um, but I was still playing hockey and, and lacrosse uh, competitively at the time. And yeah, honestly, a few concussions, uh, 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 bruised my tailbone, bruised just about everything in my body, and I was sick of it. And um, I think around 15, I actually broke my foot, missed hockey tryouts, and I was going to go for the big team this year. Very happy I broke my foot, uh, multiple bones. And so I took, I took off the spring season, played for just recreational hockey, realized it was non-contact, it wasn't going to kill me. I was having a lot more fun, and we were winning. And once I got a sense of winning for like the first time at 15, 16, um, I knew I could translate that to my golf game. And I'd played some local events. So I'm from Ottawa, which is the capital city, Canada, only about two hours from uh, Montreal and Quebec. So that was kind of the closest spot where there was some golf competition. So I went over there, played against these uh, these Quebec kids, and I started, started to whoop them pretty good. I said, okay, I'm going to go to the bigger city, Toronto, which is still in Ontario, about five five hours away, see if I can play against these big names. 
remember being on on the bus at the summer games back in the day, like tiny kid, headphones in, super nervous. But I had a big golf game. I knew it was in there, but nobody else knew it was in there. And um, anyway, started to play well, started to make a name for myself. Was lucky enough to get picked up by Team Ontario, which is our provincial team, um, just the top eight male golfers in the, in the province. And then at 16, I went to a, a scholarship seminar, not really knowing what to do. My dad woke me up early. I didn't want to go. It was far into town. Uh, I knew there was Tim Hortons coffee guaranteed, so I was on the oh, road. You know. That's a Canadian thing, yeah. too, Tim Hortons. Yeah, mm-hmm. Timmy's. If we need a plug, that's the one right there. There you go. <laughs> there you go. And I remember sitting there listening to, I think it was uh, Mike Kelly at the time, give a scholarship seminar, and I, I heard what the definition of a scholarship was. Like, you can you can not only get money cut off for tuition, but you can get paid to play a sport in college. Unbelievable. I'm like, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take the burden off my parents. I'm going to move far from home, um, but I'm going to get away, and this is what I'm going to experience. And I'm from a small town. I'm from Dunrobin, also Carp, Ontario, and um, no one had really done that. I, I'm sure there had been previous Division One athletes um, prior prior to myself. There, there were a few female uh, successful golfers that were, that were local, but I found that out. Um, 17, my, my junior year in high school, I went for a trip all down the East Coast, all the way down to Florida with my dad, because I'd, I'd never even been on a, a university campus before. So I didn't know if I wanted a school of 2,200 people or 42,000, yeah. whatever our school <laughs> is, right? So I toured a couple campuses, was really nervous, didn't, uh, you know, you talk to the coach, see the facilities, you get a feel. I remember walking into the, the union building at uh, University Central Florida, and I was, I was like 16, 17, bunch of beautiful women around like, <laughs> should have gone there there was music it was it, there was a pool like it was buzzing and i'm like that's awesome i think i want to go big i think i want to get out and experience something different like i really thought i had it in me um and and that's what i did i didn't get recruited high i mean i was good in my area but it's really really difficult to get recruited for golf out of canada like mm-hmm. in in the states your an sat book is put in front of you when you're in grade nine like, mm-hmm. I, I had to buy an SAT book, figure out what SAT stood for, and go from there, right? That's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. And then it, it worked out. There's a couple Canadians who were my senior when I was coming in, and a kid named Blair Bercy from Gander, Newfoundland, which is middle of nowhere, East Coast, Canada. Like, you wouldn't believe that one of the best young professionals. It's gorgeous. If, if there's one yeah. place that I want to go, it's it's going to be up there. Yeah. I, you How did you pronounce it the right way? I'd say Newfoundland. Newf- Newfoundland? Newfoundland? Yeah. Newfoundland. Like, a, like our dog. Like we have the a dog. Newfie. We'll just call it Newfie. Is Newfie. that cool? Yeah, that's we cool. Have, you have uh, another golfer from Newfie. <laughs> you got it. Newfie, Canada. Yep, works for me. I got, I got a teammate who's, or a, a roommate who's a Newfie, actually. Perfect. So there we go. He's repping. But anyway, Blair recruited me. Um, coach took me on. Didn't even see me swing a golf club in person. Offered me a spot on the team. And uh, here I am four, four years later. That's awesome. And, and when you think about golf, it really doesn't get a lot of exposure. It's starting to get more popular, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. I, th- I feel like there's a lot more people golfing than there used to be, especially when I started back when I was like six years old, mm-hmm. there, there wasn't a lot of people that golfed. Where now, I mean, Stephanie, you're in the trades industry and with the HBA and everything, you have golf tournaments like all throughout the week, throughout the entire summer, there's a ton of golf tournaments. So yeah. people are starting to understand the sport of golf and what, what it entails. But on the college side like there's still not a lot of exposure like you guys mm-hmm. don't get followed around with cameras it's not like the corn fairy tour so you almost have to be your own publicity you have to be your own yeah. pr where people have to know really what it takes to be a golfer um so it's cool that we're talking about it right now because it's one thing that i've always had an interest in because i played all the way through high school and then i kind of put the sticks away mm-hmm. and didn't go any further and you always you know wonder should i have it could have been a lot of fun so now i get to live vicariously through the two of you yeah. <laughs> That's what we do, right? That's we're roommates. Now we're doing this. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I, I do know that for all of our listeners, uh, when Joe, not if, when Joe goes pro, um, somehow I've finagled my way into being a caddy at Waste Management Well, Open. that's a given. Yeah. Now we have so, it on camera. So. Yeah. It's on camera. So consider this a digital signature that I'm going to be caddying. So when he gets Perfect. that hole in one on, is it on 16? 16. Yeah. The beer bottles are flying. Oh. I'm going to be the one protecting you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. You've always been my protector. Yeah. Everyone's, be yeah, everyone's going to be like, like, oh, Joe, hold on. And then there's me over there like, get away, beer bottles. <laughs> what a buzz. Love it. That's a big IOU right there. You yeah, that is. through on that one. I yeah. know, that's going to be tough. Yeah, but that is. Up to the challenge. 
That's cool. So you both are at UVU now. Mm -hmm. Uh, You're in, uh, I know we had a lot of weird things with COVID, but you're junior years. Yeah, we're both juniors. (laughs) Yeah. What happened with COVID? Talk about that. Like, Oh man, <laughs> that, was, that was wild. That was a, yeah. that was a roller coaster and a half. Yeah. So I was. I'll just go first, I guess. Yeah. So we were at Bandon Dunes. I was actually on the University of Idaho's golf team, and I was playing with a kid from Seattle U. And it was right when like the coronavirus, like we like I guess broke out or whatever it was, and we were getting the first couple cases in Seattle. And the kid I was playing with was like. Oh, like that's crazy. He's like, actually, my girlfriend's mom was like one of the first cases of COVID, and this was like w- before we knew Jeez. like what it meant. Like I didn't know if it was like one of those, I don't know, if it was viruses that made us like bleed from my if eyes, like or if the, I was the, swine the plague. Or... I didn't know what it was. Oh, there's I was like, movies. Yeah. There's like what contagion. There's yeah. all sorts of movies about so it. So my <laughs> mind's going like. I just shook hands with this kid. <laughs> I'm like, introduced myself. He's like, oh, and like 13 holes in, I've been breathing the same air, like two feet away. We've been like, became best yeah. buds. And he's CDC like, oh. is knocking on your yeah. door. Like we, you need to quarantine. <laughs> I know. I'm like, uh, yeah. So he's like, yeah, sorry. My mom, my girlfriend's mom got, it, and I just hung out with her two days ago. So I, I might have it. I don't, I don't know. We didn't know like if oh, it was boy. like, you know, if it was like liquid transfer, if it was in the air, like we didn't know anything. And I was not really freaking out, but in the back of my mind was like, well, this could be my last week playing golf, but I'm here at Bandon, so, like, I don't know. Make the best yeah, I'm like, well, let's play well. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, so it was, like, that week, like, after the event, it was, like, everything shut down. And so no more tournaments for the rest of the spring. It happened in early March. No more travel. We didn't have any practice because we didn't know what the heck it all of COVID brought. And uh, it was during that time where I had some time off and I was able to think about life that I was, like, I'm transferring to UVU, and luckily I did. Well, and it kind of shut down colleges, too. Is yeah. That, is that correct? Like, college campuses? And yeah. Well, I know for me, college campuses shut down. We went online, and then those credits basically just kind of went into thin air. They're just like, yeah, well, we know you kind of took half a class, but yeah, that didn't go towards anything. But you got yeah, an extra year of eligibility. We did, yeah. Right? yeah. So kind of a win, right? If mm-hmm. It's like an extra year of practice before you go pro, right? Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, yeah. it's a bonus for all athletes. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, to get a free year out of that is is pretty incredible. Even though it's been one of the strangest couple of years, like we didn't know each other before COVID, mm-hmm. right? I was I was in my third year. Um, it was March break. My brother was coming in town to ski Park City. He he was he was looking forward to ski big. Boom, COVID hit. Uh, there ended up being an earthquake here that week. Yeah, yeah oh, it was man. like the world was falling apart in Salt Lake City. Yeah, it was pretty insane. Um, but yeah, we were through a couple events here at school, and th- I was not playing good golf, so I was ready to, I was ready to pack it in for that season. To be quite honest with you, things were not trending well. Ended up uh, getting a flight home really quickly and and staying home the extra whole year because we didn't play that fall. We didn't have a season. But they didn't, they didn't tell us that until, like, August or, or July mm-hmm. or August, right? Yeah. And so I'm like, okay, well, if I'm going to – I'm, I'm not going to go to school and spend U.S. dollars. I'm going to stay home and make Canadian dollars and, and recalibrate for the year. So basically everyone on the team had wild different takes on it, and uh, I think for the most part we did what was best. That's cool. Yeah. It's, it's just so crazy how the whole world shifted. And Mm -hmm. it probably messed with your guys' golf game just Mm because mentally it's like, what's going on right now? But when, when you have an off day in golf, it's amazing how it's one of those days that can just make you put the clubs away forever and never want to touch it. (laughs) Right. You're just done with golf. And that's what happened to me. And I'm, I'm not ashamed to admit it, but let's talk about like the mental game of golf Mm -hmm. And we talked about this a little bit earlier and we were just talking over dinner, but golf is one of the games where it's really you against the course Mm -hmm. where, you know, if you're playing football, basketball, you can size up an opponent. You can figure out, you know, what type of game you have to play that day, depending on who you're playing against, where golf, it's you against the course. It's one of the only sports and maybe the only sport, if I'm not thinking of them all, where you can play with three of your competitors, but have nothing out for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. because they can't impact the way that you're playing against the course that day. So how do you guys prepare uh, for the year, the season, or even just the day when you're headed into a tournament to make sure that you're 100% mentally there to play a game of golf? It's a great question. That really. is a great question. There's there's so much that goes into that. Like you said, you're not 
You're not looking at plays from the other team. You're not trying to understand their defense. You're trying to understand the defense of the golf course, right? And then not only that, when you're going into competition, you know, the game is broken up into putting and driving and, and irons and all that. You have to be super aware of where your um, weaknesses and strengths are at that moment because they fluctuate like quite a lot. We'll go out, we'll be hitting draws one day and fades the next. And it's high one day and it's low the next. And if you're getting caught up in that where it's not your normal, well, then you're just going to lose and, and be frustrated the whole day. So being really flexible and where your game is at and how your body's moving is really important. And then we're making game plans for every golf course. We've got our books. We're looking at past scores. We're looking at weather. We're looking at the types of grass. We're looking at what our goals are as a team. Because, I mean, to really, you need to have goals set in order to, to kind of see where you're at and then, and then make your decisions going there, right? But, I mean, it's mental focus. It's, it's getting sleep. It's all the really small micro habits that, that add up in order to be successful that given day. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's talk more about that in just a second. Let's take a quick break. Cool. Uh, after the break, we'll come back and Joe will talk a little bit more about the mental aspects from your perspective. Awesome. Let's take a quick break to talk about how we can support these guys and their team. Now, let's face it. Golf is expensive and you go through a lot of equipment. Yeah, they've come up with a really incredible design. They call it the Swinging Willy. The Swinging Willy. They've got them on hats now. They're great. They're Richardson ball cap hats and you can purchase them on grizzlyhabits.com. Yeah, find them on grizzlyhabits.com or reach out to the Utah Valley Golf Boys on Instagram and they will certainly get you a hat. 35 bucks. Uh, you'll notice that I'm wearing it in the rest of this podcast. So take a look <laughs> if you like it. Go ahead and pick one up. Yeah, all the proceeds from that are going to go directly to the golf team and the guys can use it as they see fit for new clubs, travel, whatever they need. So just trying to help them out. Yep, 100% goes straight over to Utah Valley. We're just helping fulfill the orders. Back to the show. <laughs> all right. Welcome back. All right, Joe. All right. <laughs> Just before the quick break, we were talking about mental game here and what it takes. So from your perspective, yeah. what does it take to be a good golfer? What does it take to get ready for the day? You got to have your priorities straight. That is for sure. And you have to be committed 100% to whatever you're, you're going to be doing that day, um, whether it's golf or life or business, whatever it is. Um, and I, uh, Jake hit on it a little bit, but having those goals. I mean, every single day you got to wake up and say, okay, my long-term vision or my long-term goal, and for me, it's to play golf professionally. I'm like, okay, that's my vision. That's my overall broad. That's your why. That's my why. I'm like, okay, and obviously I know i got to play well in college and i got to play well in my qualifying and everything, but what do I need to do today? And I think it's having the mental fortitude to say, okay, this is where I'm at today. It was a little different yesterday. It was probably a little different the day before, but – Today, I need to work on this, or today, I need to focus on this in order to get the best, I guess, results for whatever my goal is that day. I'm curious, mm -hmm. like, is there, I know we always talk about, like, training, physically yeah. training, whether that's, like, athletically, lifting weights, you know, running, those kinds of things. Is there something you do, like, to help train mentally? Like, um, I don't know, like, yeah. do you have, like, a routine or a ritual or anything, like, things that you do before you golf yeah, you meditate do you meditate i yeah. do meditate Yoga? so every so the mornings that i've played the best golf and like part of like my desired routine is to do yoga in the morning i love yoga it doesn't look like i do like a man of my heart i know Whoa. Oh. Uh oh sorry <laughs> but i love yoga i mean that gives me a time to just like feel where my body's at to, to realize like, okay, maybe I'm a little bit more sore on my left side. Like, okay, maybe I'm going to have a little harder time rotating through. Let's try to stretch that out. Um, I do some other, like, I guess, faith-based meditation mm -hmm. where I do some, some praying, some scripture study, try to get my mind clear calm because cool, calm and collected. Um, like myself typically, of course. Um, <laughs> uh, but if I can get to a spot where I'm, where there's no thoughts in my head, except for like what's going on in that moment and then kind of clear the, the distractions of life. Um, that's where I've been able to play the best golf. And so I do yoga, that kind of mental reset with um, meditation and study and, and prayer. And then I go into my stretching and, and warming up before a tournament. Yeah, there's definitely both a physical and mental activation you need to get going. Mentally, the best thing that I've found you can do is just visualization. Like, I'm waking up, I'm thinking of every every tournament I've won. 
I'm thinking of my best shots. I'm picturing myself walking in with a strut like Tiger Woods. I'm picturing myself on the top of the leaderboard. I'm picturing myself hitting huge drives. I'm picturing my my playing competitors being jealous of me. Like I'm picturing all that to hype myself up. Like we all want to go out and we want a career every day. Like we, I know that's just the competitive mindset that I'm sure tons of athletes share. You'd want to go out in career, but you can never force that. You can never force being what we call blackout or just in the zone that comes. So that has to come naturally. You try and force that for a second. It's not going to happen. So visualization for me is huge. Um, mind, a mind body connection. So doing a little, physical activation just to see where your body's at see yeah just to see where your body's at and how you're swinging that day is, is probably the best way to go into it yeah it's like a see it say it think it do it where you're visualizing the win and then coming up with a game plan to figure out what it's going to take to win and it could be different by the weather the course the yeah. people you're you're playing with i mean if you have someone who is loud and obnoxious in your playing group but you're a quiet person that can definitely impact you and mm-hmm. you have to get ready for that and maybe the flip side around maybe some people like to have conversations to help yeah. with the nerves and then they have someone super quiet they're playing with but it could be rainy it could be windy you might not like the wind it might be hot outside you might have wore the wrong outfit or whatever mm-hmm. there's a lot of things that go into the game of golf but um what a lot of people don't understand about golf is the level of understanding you have to have with just a golf course in general talking all the way down to the type of grass that's on the green mm-hmm. right? how long the rough is when the last time it was cut um, maybe when it was rolled what it's rolling at these are all things that a lot of people who have just gotten into golf are probably like whoa like what are you talking about right now yeah. you, you're not, you mean to tell me it's not just a a green grass field that I hit a ball on. No, like there's different types of grass depending on where you play. So you guys are traveling. You're going to, you just got back from Bandon, Mm -hmm. Oregon, which is fantastic for those of you who haven't played Bandon. It's a bucket list course. I went last year with my dad and actually ran into you (laughs) uh, randomly. You were there the week after and we kind of passed by in the parking lot, which was kind of cool. But um, you know, Bandon has a different type of grass and, and they're what's called uh, dunes courses, right? Mm-hmm. Where they use the natural terrain, natural geography, where you can hit a perfect drive right down the center of the fairway, but you have a crappy downhill eye. So there's a lot of things to take in account when you're playing around a golf. But mm-hmm. what are the things you consider, uh, Jake, you mentioned earlier, you go out and you actually kind of drop the course and you kind of label the greens, you understand the pin placements, but what are the things that you do to mentally prepare outside of like meditation and just getting the mind game ready? What do you literally go and prep for, take notes and get ready for the big get, big day? Well, actually I didn't bring this up, but, er, but uh, I actually juggle on the range. So that's like <laughs> that's like a mind body thing that I do before we play is actually juggle because like like circus like juggle, circus or, juggle or, or Tiger Woods juggle no like circus like, juggle like yeah. hand eye coordination yeah. like I take three golf balls and like it looks like the like the darndest thing especially the teams <laughs> like when we had like Southern who's Illinois this, Edwardsville who's right this next to us North Idaho Canadian guy <laughs> <laughs> yeah but uh, Rory McIlroy actually does that too but that's just some mind body. Um, I guess connection there, mm-hmm. but I mean, I, there's so much that goes into it. I mean, I know the night before we usually get the pin sheets, so we know where the pins at. We know that it's four paces on from the left and five paces on from the right or from the front, and that short and left is dead. Or we know that there's certain bunkers out there that we're like, this is literally death. Like you will make a ten on the hole if you hit it here. Um, this last week at Bandon, we played number seventeen at Sheep Ranch and. There's a cliff on one side, and there's there's some gorse bush or some like really nasty stuff on the right. And if you hit it left, you have to hit retee. And there's a kid from Kansas, ranked number nine in the nation, made a seventeen on the hole. Like uh-huh. that's one like that's one thing about golf not to is throw him under the bus. No, oh, that kid, yeah, seventeen. Uh, <laughs> but like that's one thing about golf is like no one's there to bail you out, and like you have to understand that like be ready to accept that a bad shot's going to happen, and you have to. You have to accept it and go deal with it. Like no one else is going to be be able to bail you out. Yeah, yeah, yeah pretty much. Yeah, there's. I mean, there's tons of variables. Like we're golf guys. You're, we can tell you're a golf guy. We've got it in you, and we're all we're all golf nerds. Like we love the details. We love knowing exactly where the good spots are, exactly where the the speed slots are out there to get the bomb the bomb drives out there. Um, but yeah, that's what we enjoy the most is looking at the tiny little details. And when you're out there and if you're swinging well, all those things come so naturally. You're not really thinking about them. But that preparation is, is pretty important. 
So where has it helped you elsewhere in your lives outside of golf? Um, of course, with it being such a strong mental game, have you ever found yourselves in a situation where you've actually kind of reverted back to the course life and said, hold on, I know how to get through this. <laughs> I've, I've thrown through this before in a different way. It's good. That's a good question. I mean, whenever you're dealing with um, obstacles off the golf course, they usually never compare to obstacles on the golf course, right? Like if you're thinking something's difficult on the course, whether you're stressing over a bad round or a bad result or letting your teammates down, that means absolutely nothing in the scheme of life. So if you're bringing that perspective of like, this is how much I care about just a golf shot, which means nothing, and you bring that in, into your obstacles in life and your struggles, like you're just going to have a much greater uh, perspective and understanding and Golf is a game of patience, as we all know. Mm -hmm. So if we're, we're training that patience muscle every single day when we're hitting balls and practicing and, and competing, and that trans, translates perfectly to, to what life brings us. Mm -hmm. I, well said. I, I was uh, fortunate enough to work with Doug Rattel. He's a sports psychologist up in uh, North Idaho, and he talked about like how there's truth in everything and that through like our senses we're able to like feel or like touch and smell and sight and all these different senses that we're able to gather quote unquote truth or like things as they really are. Um, and you, the only way you're able to do that is by like being present. And then by taking truth and getting rid of what he calls fluff or things that we put in between the truths to try to make it so that the way we view the world is the way that we view it and not through other stuff. That if we can take the truth of reality and get rid of our, the fluff, whether it's on the golf course or off, and say, like, this is what truth is, then you're able to have power and able to accomplish whatever the goal is because you actually have truth. And you have really reality, real things instead of just these make-believe things that are in your mind. So, yeah, That's cool. That's a good way to put it, too. Point. It's almost you're like your wise, right? Your wants yeah. and your wise is... Mm -hmm. um, if you think about it in terms of it's something you truly desire and Joe, we've had this talk before. Yeah. And in fact, that's, we're going to do a podcast about starting your own business and it correlates with golf just as easily, but you need to understand the difference between a want and a desire, right? If you truly desire to play better, you're going to do everything you can to play better. If you truly desire to be pro, you're going to sacrifice a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, where in your case, you know, your desire earlier on was, was your religion and mm -hmm. to do the right thing that you believed in. That's something that you sacrificed because it was your true desire at the time mm -hmm. where you wanted to play golf, but the desire overpowered it at yep. the time where now you're back at it. Your true desire is to be a pro golfer mm -hmm. and, and you're going to be a pro golfer. So both of you, I think that's, that's fantastic that you guys both have those attitudes and uh, you're definitely in your prime right now. You're, I can see it that you guys are having fun. You're enjoying the rounds and I've been giving you a follow. In fact, for our followers, give them a shout. It's UVU golf boys oh, is yeah. the yes, uh, <laughs> Instagram page that Jake started. Um, and uh, for the followers, if you guys want to follow along as well, we have the official Joseph Glenn, official Joe Glenn on Instagram. We have the UVU Golf Boys where we can get the awesome swinging Willie hat. And then we have Jake, Jake dot, oh, Jake dot E dot Bryson. You got it. That's, yep. that's a long one. There's yeah. a lot of dots in there. Jake dot E dot Bryson. We'll put it on the screen right here. Thank you. Yeah, so you can see it. <laughs> give him a follow. And of course, give us a follow, like, subscribe at Grizzly Habits and at Stephanie Build It. Builds it. Man, I can't talk. At Stephanie builds it. <laughs> but guys, thanks for coming on the show today. It's been a fun one. And uh, all the followers hopefully have a little bit better perspective of what it takes to be a college golfer and where you guys are headed. So thanks a lot. Awesome. I appreciate the conversation. Thank you. Thank you. Cool.